I personally love a reggaeton just because the hole is bigger. Amen. Uh oh. <laughs> well. As we're talking about food, sweetie, we're talking about pasta, sweetie. So, um. <laughs> Welcome back to Lick the Plate. I'm your host, Cameron Bernard-Jones. I was in Fitzrovia in central London at the Dea Beauty London studio, which is the skincare business of my good Judy, Sean Dea. Originally from East London and now living in North London, she is not only a skincare expert and a dear friend of mine, but also an artist of many, many talents. We met for lunch in a kiki, and on the menu was a delicious stewed chicken and rice and peas with a cheeky pink gin and tonic on the side. Girl, let me tell you something. The chicken, the stewed chicken and the rice and peas, divine. <laughs> Your mother cooked it. Right. Was it for dinner last night? Give us give us the tea and what it is. Sure. So my mum loves to cook in advance because you've got to marinate it. You've got to let it sit in. It's got to be succulent. So she prepped it from before. She cooked it on a Sunday. And now we're eating on a Wednesday. And it tastes amazing, right? It was so good. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was the rice and peas. Mm. And I mean, I've had rice and peas so many times uh, in my life. <laughs> but I feel like there's so many different ways to prepare it. Mm. Do you know how she prepares it? Yeah, I do. Can you can you give us a little or is it is a family secret? Um no, I can share. I can share with you. Um so what she does, um my mum loves long grain rice. So not basmati. I know it's controversial, but she loves a long grain. Um and what she does is that she starts with the peas first. So it's always gotta be red kidney beans. Mm. Um, I just feel like they've just got a lot more flavor. So you put them in, you let them soak overnight, at least 12 hours. So they're just really just like they insulate all of the water. Um, then we cook them for maybe, how long do we cook it for? Yeah, until the water goes down a little bit or until um, if you take out a red kidney bean and you squash it, mm. as soon as it's soft, then you know it's good to um, add the rest of the rice in. So we get to that point. And what people, I think the mistake that people make is that they drain the red bean rice out, but you have to keep it in because that's what brings the flavor. Oh. Yes. So once you cook the red kidney beans, you leave it in that water, you turn off the um, the gas or whatever, um, then you start to season it. So then that's when you're putting in your coconut, um, any sort of herbs, your, um, your salt, anything that you want to put in there, um, peppers, whatever it is, it goes in. Then and then what you do, of course, you wash your rice. Should you wash your rice? Not quite a heated debate, but definitely a topic I've heard various opinions on. According to an online article I read by Jack Gow at ABC Every Day in Australia, there are many factors that come into play, including what you're making, what type of rice it is, and of course, different cultures, traditions. Gao interviewed chef, cookbook author, and cooking school owner Tony Tan and writes that for common Asian varieties like jasmine or basmati, 
Tan washes it at least twice, if not three times, just to get rid of the starch. For European varieties, like Arborio or Bomba, he leaves the rice unwashed. I guess within the black culture, it's just what you do. It's just what you do. You have to just wash your rice. So then you wash your rice out and then we don't pre-cook the rice. So we put it in raw like that. So once we wash it, we then add it in with the red kidney beans in the water. We stir it up, make sure everything's seasoned, make sure to taste it. Because mm. people always forget they love to taste once it's cooked. By that point, it's too late. Yeah. It's way too late. you got to taste it before you put the gas back on. So once the rice is added, you've got the beans in there you got the seasoning everything like that then you start to cook it and then you cook it down to when um well, firstly let me go back a step once you add the rice in you got to make sure that the water level is just over the surface of the rice and beans if it's too high and you start to cook it that's when you um get really mushy rice and peas and nobody likes that oh see i know cooking rice i love cooking rice yeah. i love eating rice uh-huh. but cooking rice is such mm. a, a scientific thing yes. and everybody talks about, about water level and the proportion of water to rice but i feel mm. like with different rice dishes yes and from different cultures it requires, requires a different, different amount things. of water for this you want the water yeah just over just hovering over the surface of where like the rice and beans are like just over that and then you start to cook it again from that and so in that time the water level of course then goes down as it starts to evaporate evaporate and then um this is a trick that my mother does so she doesn't lift the top up um this might be a bit dangerous so pull your hair back if you've got long hair but i always put my ear towards where the the pot is and i'll wait for the crackling that tells me that the water level is right at the bottom and it's and it's done i heard somebody say this yeah towards the end of cooking your rice you got to listen mm. so i started doing that recently okay and i'll towards the end mm. like tw- 25 minutes or so yeah i'll listen to mm. see if i can hear any kind of like final bubbling of water. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if it sounds like, oh, that's like it's almost gone. then I'm like, yes. okay, it's almost ready. It's ready for sure. Or you can most definitely turn it down. And then if you're not sure, what I do is that I get a clean knife and I put it straight through the middle and then I pull it out. And if the, the knife is still pretty wet, there's still too much water in it. You got to keep it going. I'm still in that. Yes. It's like what I do with cakes. Yes. You can do it with rice too. Absolutely. That's brilliant. That That's is what brilliant. I do. Yeah, then you know it's done. It's ready to go. And then that way you also don't burn the bottom bit of the rice and peas because, I mean, who's <laughs> eating that? <laughs> so your culture, mm. what are your origins? Oh, I love this question um, because recently I actually did um, an ancestry test um, which I've been wanting to do for a long time. I don't know why I've been putting it off for life, whatever, but I've just always been intrigued to find out like exactly what my origins are because I know, well, firstly, going all the way back from when I was like five, six at primary school, everybody's trying to work out what I am. Mm. What are you? Where are you from? Do you have a white dad? All of these things started to come out because of course people see my hair, um, I know your listeners can't see, but my hair is naturally quite long, quite curly, ringlets, all of this stuff. Um, And so, yeah, people try and associate that with a certain race or a certain brand. And suddenly I'm not black, black. Mm. I I do that with commas, black, black, Mm. but I'm not white either. So I must be mixed race. And so there's always been that moment where people are just like, what is this girl? We, We don't get it. She's just there. 
which has been a very interesting journey of mine. So I guess I've come to the point, I'm like, let's do this ancestry. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, so I did ancestry. And so I'll let you know percentages of what I found. And so I believe 67% I am West African, um, which is a beautiful thing. Um, 46% of that 67% is Nigerian. Okay. Yes. So, I mean, that's a whole nother journey that I need to go on because it's a culture that, of course, I know about. I have a lot of Nigerian friends. I have a lot of West African friends, but I haven't jumped into their culture as much as I've jumped into like typical Caribbean culture. So that's a journey that I'm on to, um, yeah, explore that side of me that I didn't know. So you got that West African side. Um, we then have, I believe, 18 to 90 percent European, which was interesting, mm. which I guess I kind of, I kind of guess there must have been some things going on in there, because um, colonizers be colonizing, child. Period. But um, it was good to kind of, I guess, see it on there and see what's going on. So there was that, and then another magical thing that I also found out is that I am fourteen percent Indigenous American, Aha. which is beautiful. It's so, so beautiful. All of it is beautiful. The whole one hundred percent is beautiful, but that particular part, like. Those people were free. Yeah. Those people had their own identity. And is this the Carib people? Yes. Otherwise known as Arawaks? Um, there's different um, divisions ah, okay. of, of Caribs. So I need to also find out exactly what um, Carib, I guess, I'm a part of. Okay. Um, but it definitely came up as Indigenous American. And I said, that is epic. That oh, is so wow. epic. But I've been to the Caribs. Um, I've been to visit where they live in Dominica, which is where a lot of my family um, are from. And um, yeah, they live like up in the mountains, beautiful, beautiful people, a massive mixture of lots of different things, absolutely stunning people. So it was lovely to see where my, um, my ancestor, I guess, came from and my granddad on my mother's side was a carib so okay. he was he was all up in there growing up so yeah that's very exciting now getting back to the food of that culture from dominica yes what are some things that you grew up with Ooh. eating yeah um so going back to my early childhood my mom was always the cook um my mom is an amazing cook and it definitely just brings everybody together. Um, so in regards to like what she would typically cook, let's say if it was a Sunday dinner, um, there's definitely going to be stewed chicken in there. There's going to be rice and peas in there always. I mean, I'm glad I had a taste of Sunday dinner yes, already. Yes, yes. You definitely got a, a tiny, a tiny percentage of what comes in with our Sunday dinners. So we've got those two things. Definitely a mac and cheese. I'm a massive mac and cheese person. I love it. I could eat it by itself. That's yeah. how much of a fan <laughs> I am. Just straight out of the tub. Just give it to me. So um, we've got mac and cheese in there. Of course, different types of veg. There'll be dumplings in there. There'll be festivals in there. Um, always potatoes. Um, planting, of course, of course. I say planting. I know it's debatable. <laughs> That's okay. We all know what it is. Right? We do know what it is. So we have planting in our house. Um, lots of gravy. Um and yeah, some sort of rum punch to finish. Yeah. Mm. Do you cook? Of course. Can you cook all of that? Absolutely. I know that's right. I'll throw it down. Yeah. Oh, mm, it's say. been passed down. Have you and your mother ever had a cook-off? Oh, we haven't actually. I challenge you to that. 
I should, eh? You should. I really, really should. I cook a mean mac and cheese and a really good rice and peas. I cook it all good, but those two, yeah, I'm unmatched, to be honest. Now tell me about this mac and cheese because, okay, <laughs> growing up as a black American, I also had that. So when I got here and had a taste of, a real good taste of Caribbean culture, yeah. being that all my in-laws are of Jamaican descent, mm. I was shocked to know that mac and cheese was also a big thing yeah. in Caribbean food. Yes. I, I, it was one of those things I was like, oh, mm. so how do you like and cook your mac and cheese? Oh, so let's go from the beginning. Let's go from the origin. Um, in regards to the pasta, um, of course, you can use macaroni or regatoni, whatever you've got available. But I guess I personally love a regatoni just because the hole is bigger. Amen. Uh-oh. Well, as we're talking about food, sweetie, we're talking about pasta, sweetie. So, um, (laughs) this is why I love you. I love you too. Um, so for me, it would be regatoni, (laughs) regatoni, and then with the cheese, I love to use two different types of cheeses. So, we've got, um, always red Leicester because I love the color. And for me, it just gives that kind of sweet, kind of cheesy taste, almost woody sort of taste. I love that. And then there'll be like a mild mozz, no, mozzarella? No, we don't. A mild cheddar to go in between all of that. And if I'm feeling really bougie, then I'll have like an extra mature cheddar. You make a, do you call it a roux? With flour and butter. Yes. Yes, of course. So we make that first as well. Of course, we've got to make a cheese sauce. I think there's a name for that. Is that a... Okay, full disclosure. Sean and I originally concluded that she made a bechamel sauce. But upon further research, I found out otherwise. So here's what a bechamel sauce is. According to Masterclass, it's a versatile white sauce and the base of a variety of comfort food dishes. Bechamel starts with a classic French white roux a few tablespoons of flour, and a few tablespoons of butter cooked together in a heavy saucepan to form a thick paste before the addition of milk. Milk is then slowly whisked into the mixture and cooked until it takes on a creamy consistency. So, what does Sean actually make? Mornay sauce. Mornay sauce is a cheese sauce made in the same manner as a classic bechamel, but with the addition of grated cheese. With the bechamel sauce over low heat, Stir in any melting cheese, but the classics are Gruyere, Emmental, and white cheddar cheese. Um, so I make one of those um, with all of the cheeses that I mentioned. Um, the green milk, what is that? Semi-skimmed, that's it. Semi-skimmed milk in there, um, butter. And then, yeah, we make it all together, stir it up until it gets to a thicker consistency. And then we pour it on top of the pre-cooked pasta. Not pre-cooked. I guess we soak our pasta for about 10 minutes, pour out the water, and then pour on the cheese on top. Oh, so is the pasta... It's not fully cooked. No. So we put the regatoni into like an oven dish. Then we pour in boiling hot water. We leave it whilst we're doing the cheese sauce. We finish off the cheese sauce, drain the pasta, put it back into the oven um, dish. Then we put the cheese sauce, well, first, we sprinkle cheese first, then we put on the cheese sauce, and then we put on more cheese on top. 
yeah, I have to have this. Thank you. I will put in an appointment just for some tasting. And I'm serious about that cook-off between you and your mother because I want to be a judge. Thank I'm you. so down for this. Thank you. No worries. <laughs> so you mentioned being bougie. And as a fellow, <laughs> as a fellow bougie person, human mm-hmm. being, I love that when we got to know each other, we realized that we both love the finer things in life. Yes. Food and everything else. Absolutely. And a memory that came back to me was when you took me to a cafe here in London called Elan. I think that's how yes. you pronounce it. Uh-huh. Elan. Elan, yeah. For those who don't know, Elan is one of those really decadent, Instagram worthy mm-hmm. cafes mm-hmm. with the most bright and colorful pastries, confectionery ever. And you have loads of people literally with their phones out, of course, taking selfies, taking videos. And so you took me there for the very first time. I had passed this mm. place and as many other uh, branches throughout the city many times thinking, mm, maybe not my thing. Mm. Like, I love sweet things, but I'm like, I don't feel like I need all of that extra stuff. Yeah. But when you took me, my mind was blown because the actual cakes and things were good. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah, this girl knows what she's talking about. Um, but I brought up finer things and fine food because I want to ask you mm. about your opinion on the intersection of food like Caribbean food and fine dining. Mm. Now, there is a chef and his name is Chef Dom Taylor. Okay, He won a competition on TV that Channel 4 and Netflix uh, had. I've seen this. Called Five Star Kitchen. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So he won, and a part of that prize uh, was to have his own restaurant at mm. the Langham, yes. which is high end. Yes. And it's called the Good Front Room at mm. Palm Court at the Langham. Mm. I've not been yet. I am dying to go. Let's go. Hopefully, by the time listeners hear this, I would have gone. Absolutely. And I've been speaking to a lot of people about it. And just not about the restaurant itself, but about the idea of fine dining, haute cuisine with Caribbean food. Mm. What are your thoughts on that? I say, why not? Yeah. We can absolutely elevate ourselves. We're not just the kind of, I don't know, side shack that you find and like your auntie's cooking in the back, which she absolutely should be because some of those foods are some of the best in the world. Period. In the world. Some of my favorite, favorite joints to eat at are family-run businesses um, where the aunties and uncles are still at the back doing the recipe that they've done for 50 years. Those are the best ones. Some of these new ones, they can't, they don't hack it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm all about that side. But at the same time, I do believe you can take those recipes and elevate it so... um, I guess it it resonates maybe with more people because I do think, unfortunately, that there is a stigma with certain classes of people that they think that certain food types are almost below them. Yeah. Which is really, really sad because how does food have a have a title? I, I don't get it. Like it's food. It's food. It's food. You're nourishing yourself. And just because it comes from a certain part of the world does not make it any less of a class than you. Yeah, absolutely not. So I absolutely believe that you should be able to be able to go to your side shack or your or your small restaurant to have that food. But you should also be able to go to like a five star, six star hotel and have it done in the same way with different plates, different cutlery, different hors d'oeuvres 
and have a lovely time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah. I know there are a lot of people on both sides of the table who Mm. are pretty dubious Mm. if they haven't tried it yet, just of just the thought of something, you know, humble, (laughs) like instead of humble, I will use accessible in being in places that are deemed to be not so accessible to all people, places like these these high-end restaurants and hotels. Mm. Unfortunately, that is just the case. Like, there's so many people who feel like, oh, I, I can't, I shouldn't go to those places because it's insert hotel here, you know? I've, I've met people like that as well. And I've even dated people with that mindset. And we've had fights because I'm like, I believe I belong anywhere. And let's be honest, let's let's bring it all the way back. Half of these buildings, immigrants built anyway. There we go. We we were here already. We built these buildings where now they have um, injected their own culture. I'm doing this with fingers, culture um, to appeal to the masses. But actually, a lot of the, the bones of a lot of these buildings were built by immigrants. So why can't we have their culture within the building, not just outside of it. Ooh, that is a word. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'd absolutely love to go to that restaurant and be able to be there as myself in whatever I want to wear, eating the food that I grew up with and inviting all of my family and friends to come and join me on that. And also just adding a bit of extra seasoning to that damn hotel. (laughs) No shame. Not everyday salt and pepper. Some days all-purpose seasoning. So West End life, Mm -hmm. glorious journeys, difficult journeys, challenging, all the adjectives. Mm. But I want to talk about how one takes care of themselves Mm. and how one can nourish themselves with food when it comes to being a performer. For me, Mm -hmm. food is like my Mm co-star in any show I do. What's your relationship with food been working in these shows Eight shows a week. It's been, yeah, it's been really interesting because funny enough, I guess when you're in the West End, you're surrounded by a lot of junk food. So a lot of that food isn't actually very nourishing. A lot of it is quite carb heavy. Of course, you need carbs, but you need protein more. And um, so in the end, it leaves you feeling tired. So when you go out, you eat. You come back, you might get a bit of a nap in, but then you wake up and you still feel exhausted. Mm. And it's because of the foods that we're putting into our body or what we're not putting into our body. So what I've worked out, I think what works for me is that protein will always give you more energy than carbohydrates ever will. So of course there is a place to go out and get your KFC or or go to wherever that feels good. And, and you should have your snacks that you have in your theatre should fill your soul, which I think for me is very, 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 very important. You need to have stuff in there that makes you feel good and, and reminds you of a good time because there may be moments in the show where you're not having a good time, but you can you know that there's a stash there that makes you feel good. But definitely when it comes to the food, 
when you're around the theater, you want to go for protein first. It's going to give you that protein, high protein, like like your salmon, like your tuna, like your chicken, really, really big. And of course, there is an alternative for vegans. I'm not too sure what that is because I'm a meat eater, so I'm not sure. Um, but you want to go for protein first and then add in your carbs and your fiber and all that good stuff. Mm. So yeah, that's that's what I've worked out. But you should still have your snacks that make you feel good inside, that make you feel happy in between coming on and off stage. You need it. I feel like there should be... an Forgive me if if this is happening in drama schools now, especially, but I feel like there should be more education when it comes to food, health, and wellness. Absolutely. For these performers, because it's tough, especially in highly physical shows. Mm. The double show days knacker you. Finished. Yeah. And you need that replenishment. And mm. I like you said, it's junk around us. You know, there's loads of foods in central London yeah. to, to be had, but mm. with the quickness of our of our lives as yeah. performers, it can be tough. So mm. I, I really wish that there was more food education. There needs to be that because definitely in my era of um, training, there was nothing like that. Um, it was really about being as small as possible, being as skinny as possible. If guys had to bulk, just bulk up. But what does that even mean? mean? What do we put into our bodies to do that? And a lot of us that trained at uh, musical theater schools or performing arts colleges and stuff like that, like you're going from like a full ballet class to a jazz class. Then you've got to somehow gather yourself and go into an acting through song challenge. Then you've got, to, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. And then you've got physio and then you go back to this. You literally have no time sometimes to eat. So it's like, what can I ingest that's going to really fuel me with lots of nutrition, but also going to give me that energy to actually last till my last lesson of the day. We were given none of that. Um, there was a time in my life, especially when I was going to college where, um, yeah, financially, like my family wasn't earning a lot of money. Mm. And so there were times where I would um, sometimes bring a box of cereal in and eat that in between lessons because that's all I had. Mm. And it's wild. And I'm hungry, but I think just my passion just overruled my stomach and we just kept going but if I knew what I knew now I could have made smart choices with the money that I had to be able to to fully like um give myself the energy that I needed to continue because maybe and this is just me thinking outside of the box if we were to give ourselves the nutrition or to give students the knowledge for the nutrition that they need in order to learn better they might actually accomplish more at school if they're fed better talk about it do you know what I mean? Oh my goodness, yes. To make to make better choices, whether that is physical choices like in class, like if we're going across the floor and we're doing kicks and turns and all that kind of stuff, you need energy. And also on top of all of that, and this is just a higher, more spiritual level, you need that focus. You need to be able, and I'm old school, so this is how I was taught, but I was always taught to visualize what I needed to do before I did it. So if I'm trying to triple turn, I see the turn before I turn. And in order to to be able to get to that part of me where I can visualize, I need to have energy to do that. If you're lacking, if you're, if you haven't eaten all day, if you're literally on water and um, cookie crisp, which is what I was on, how do you even get to that higher level of self in order for you to um, accomplish as much as you can as an artist? But that all comes from the top of the people in performing arts schools. They should be feeding that down. You heard it here. Get on it.
keeping up with the topic of wellness, mm. you, my dear, mm-hmm. are a skin specialist. Yes, sir. Skincare expert. Mm. And I love that I have a friend who is in that industry because I am obsessed. If there's anything besides food and besides performing arts that I'm obsessed with is skincare. And I think I think I'm a testament of that um, in the <laughs> you flesh. Are. You are. <laughs> Tell us how and why did you get into skincare? Oh, so this goes back a little bit. So my mom has always badgered on about me looking after my skin. From the ages of maybe 13 years old, I would follow her to go and have little treatments done where I could hear or there, or she'd give me facials at home with whatever we had. So I've always been brought up on looking after your skin, moisturizing your skin, wearing SPF, which I go on and on about, but I'm <laughs> going to get into that whole topic. Um, I've always been taught to really look after your skin because ultimately... It's what represents you. So it is your job to look and feel as good as you can when you're representing yourself to the world, when you're just walking up and down the street. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very, very important. And that's not to say you need to be in Louis Vuitton or you need to be in all of these um, designer outfits. Like I can turn a Primark look. You will never know. Do you know what I mean? It's all about what goes on in the inside. But I believe that your outward appearance can really sell you in the room. And especially for those of you guys listening that are um, in musicals or in the performing world, when you audition, they're judging you from that. It's really, really important. And if you're, go- if you're going inside, you're glowing, your nails look good, you're smiling, your teeth are white, your hair looks good. They already want to give you the job before you even open your mouth. What you do after that is extra. Mm. So that's, I guess, my basis of why I started this company. But oh, sorry, let me name my company. Um, so I am the founder of Day of Beauty London, um, situated in central London, about a three minute walk from Great Portland Street. Um, she's my baby. She's my love. Um, we are three years this year. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I was going to say my team, but myself, because literally like it's been me from the beginning. I've had my whole hands on all of this and it's just been such a journey. But um, I started this pre-pandemic to, yeah, about 20, mm, just before the pandemic, actually about 2020, um, fresh out of Motown. I just thought, you know what, I'm really into skincare and all of this stuff. Let me qualify. And I think one thing that the pandemic really taught us was that, we have to learn that we are better than at more than just one thing. Like we have so much talent, all of us, everybody listening, we have so much talent that we haven't even fully discovered yet. I don't even think I've fully discovered all the things that I can do. But one thing about me as a Gemini, I get bored of myself after five <laughs> minutes and I'm like, what else can I do to be better in this life? So I decided to get all of my qualifications in beauty. Pandemic happened. Um, and then I'm just trying to build a business from the ground up with my own money, my own expertise and no clients. And now we're here in central London and I get to serve so many different people of different ages, genders, races from different walks of life. Um, and I get to give them the confidence in their skin that they've never had before. Of course. Um, but linking it back to food, food is so important when it comes to skin health. I cannot tell you just like how food can nourish you and give you energy. Food really does show from the inside out what you're putting in. Um, 
it's really, really important. It's so important because each food type has different vitamins and different things that can really either hydrate the skin or just give it its glow. And so when you eat more of that, it really does show on the outside. It really, really does. Hmm. It really does. It's so important. So I want to play a game with you. It's my game I call Devour or Dispose. But this time... (laughs) It's called the Hydration Edition, because I know you are all about hydration versus moisture, Mm. which we'll talk about. Okay. But this is Devour or Dispose Hydration Edition. So what I'll give you is a name of a food, Mm. and you will tell me whether you want to devour it or dispose of it. Okay. And we can get into the reasons why. Yes. Cucumber. Devour or dispose? Devour. Why? Because it is full of water and we need it. <laughs> Tomatoes. Mm. Um, it depends how we're cooking them. Okay. It depends. If we're really cooking them and they're in a sauce, I will devour it all day long. But just eating it like in a damn sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I can't do it. I've got to, I've got to dispose of it. It's too much. It's too much. Tomato is one of my favorite is things it? to eat. I can eat it raw, stewed, what? whatever, however you cook it, but especially raw with salt. Like, I think a tomato on its own is boring, but with salt uh-huh. or with salt olive oil. Is more interesting. Yeah, it's just, it makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's <laughs> You don't believe me. <laughs> I mean, I haven't tried it, so maybe I just need to try your way, but it's giving me serial killer, so. I'm just not sure about that. Moving on, mm. watercress. Mm. We can devour. It's cute. See, I think it's pointless. I don't. I I can't tell you what it tastes like. I know I've had it on sandwiches. Yeah, what does it same. Taste like? What does it taste like? It's just an addition. Yeah. Like salt. Like salt. <laughs> <laughs> Apples. Oh, devour. What kind do you like? Oh, um, I love a pink lady. Mm-mm, very you. Very me. Small and sweet. We yes. love it. <laughs> <laughs> sweet and petite. Absolutely. The green ones, mm, it's just, mm, it gets stuck in the teeth. It's a bit much. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of stuck in the teeth, celery. You know what? I've got to dispose of that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not bothered. Not bothered. No. Lettuce. It's got a place. Devour. Watermelon. Oh, devour. Yes. Yes. Peaches. Devour. Broth. Mm-hmm. If I have to devour, <laughs> I will. Does anybody actually just eat broth on its own? I'm sorry. Sip? Eat? Drink? How, I don't even know what the verb is for broth. Mm. Broth on its own? Like, like what? Why would you do that? If I'm, you're sick? If you're sick. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, okay. conditional. <laughs> Courgette with zucchini. Mm, I'll dispose of it. Radishes. Oh, dispose, no. Yeah, I... Uh, no, yeah. the smell already, no. Speaking of smell, asparagus. Oh, no, it can go as well. Dispose. <laughs> oh, no. I don't care if it's on the side, I'm not eating it. Bell peppers. Do you call it that here? I think so, yeah. Or capsicums, I've heard as well, yeah. What's Same thing. that? Capri Sun? What? No, not say? a Capri Sun! Capri Sun! <laughs> what was that? Capsicum. 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 Bell Sounds peppers like a Pokemon. Well. 
Capsicum. <laughs> it's the way you say it as well. Capsicum. Doesn't it sound like a Pokemon, guys? It does. <laughs> Capsicum, I choose you. It's that. It's that. Are you eating the bell pepper, girl? <laughs> no, I dispose. <laughs> so you don't choose it, great. No, I, I don't. I'm sorry. Cabbage. Oh, no, dispose. Cauliflower. Oh, dispose. Yeah. The smell, everything. Like those that like cauliflower cheese, like you're in the bin. I, I don't really know what's going on with you. Your taste buds need to be doing. You need to brush your tongue. I don't know what you need to do. There's a disconnect. It's disgusting. Stop it. Spinach. I'll devour. Strawberries. Devour. Finally, mm. coconut water. Oh, devour all day long. It's one of the best things I've ever had in my mm. life, and I will keep drinking it. Especially in the Caribbean. Ah, uh, that's the one thing I've not I've not had coconut water. What? In the Caribbean. No. Come on now. I just haven't. You got to get someone to knock it off the tree, cut it up at the front. You drink what's inside and then you eat the jelly on the inside. Oh. So I want to talk about or I want you to talk about mm. hydration okay, and moisture and the difference because a lot of us get it mixed up. Yes, I love this question. So let's go into it. So what is the difference between being hydrated and being moisturized? I'm going to stick with hydration first. So hydrating is all about water, how much water is in the skin, how much water is in the body and what that does for the body. When we talk about moisturizing, we're talking about oil. So we're speaking about how much oil is in the body, um, the kind of slip that you have on your skin that is mostly to do with the oil that is in your body or on your skin. So that is the overall difference. Um, what I see a lot in my studio, um, there are a lot of people that have oily skin but are dehydrated. So by how I've just explained it, meaning that they have oily skin, but underneath that, their skin is actually dehydrated, so it's lacking water. And sometimes what happens is that because our skin and our bodies are literally smarter than our minds, our bodies are just so, so smart, it produces more oil to compensate for the lack of water that is in our bodies because it's like, yo, I'm... I, I need water. I need something. <laughs> I don't have it. So let me just produce some more oil because she or he or they are not giving me enough water. And so it just gives us more oil leading to more spots, more acne, more um, larger pores. So many things that happen all because we're not giving ourselves enough water. So if we actually balanced it out, the oil will come down. There'll be a lot less breakouts. Um, the pores will be a lot smaller. Everything changes and everything is balanced. So overall, what I try and do is just try and balance people's skins out pretty much. Yeah. That is my job. Yeah. yeah. Working in reception, and this is pre-performing days, just out of college, I worked in spas. Mm. And I learned a lot from working in those spaces mm. and from being colleagues with a lot of these estheticians and, and skincare specialists. Mm. Um, but I, I never realized the simple difference between those two. Mm. I feel like a lot of people treat them 
interchangeably, Absolutely. use them interchangeably. Mm. And when you posted on Instagram in the recent past, yeah, I was like, oh, more people need to know about this because, I mean, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, I have oily skin, so I won't, I won't put on certain products because my skin's already oily. I won't moisturize. Ew. Or, oh, you know, yeah. anything like that. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, but mm. still dehydrated. Okay. Yeah. So then I just started really being conscious about the food that I ate mm. and how I could be hydrated from within. Absolutely. Because you did mention it's what you put into your body Always. as well. Always. And yeah. mostly versus mm. what you put on Onto top it. of your skin, you know? Yes. Yeah. So that really... Yeah, that blew my mind. So it's why I did the hydration edition of that game because a lot of people don't know that a lot of these foods, all mm. those foods that we mentioned in that list mm. are high in water. Absolutely. High in water. Yes. So for all those people like, mm, water, I don't like it. You can get it other ways. Absolutely. Get um, you some cucumber. I can snack on a cucumber. Oh, oh, there we go. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you said that, not me this okay. time. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's good. It's just so good. And yeah. and watermelon. Most of these things <laughs> in that game I will eat because it's good for your body. It's good for your body, good for your skin. If you had to describe yourself by using flavors, Ooh. how would you do it? Oh, that's really tough. That's so tough. How will I describe Shandaya? Um, I would say I'm like a sticky toffee pudding with custard on the side, but the base of that sticky toffee pudding has a little bit of chili in there and it might make you cough once in a while, but it's going to be worth it. And then on the sides, you're going to have like I don't know, a really smooth hot chocolate and you haven't had that hot chocolate in a good few years, so it feels very nostalgic. That is Shandaya. A hearty thank you to Sean for being such a great guest and to her mother for cooking and providing the delicious food for us to enjoy. To keep up to date with all things Shandaya, you can follow her on Instagram at Shandea. That's S-I-A-N-D-E-I-A. To book a skincare consultation and or treatment with her at Daya Beauty London, you can find her business through your preferred search engine, of course, as well as on Instagram at Daya Beauty LDN. That's D-E-I-A Beauty L-D-N. You can find links to the various things we discussed in the episode description and in the story highlights on Lick the Plate's Instagram at Lick the Plate Podcast. This is your host, Cameron, welcoming you to savor your memories and sip your curiosities. And if you decide to spill the tea, remember to always serve it up with some good vibes on the side. See you next week for another episode of Lick the Plate. Lick the Plate.